0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation. I am the traffic anchor for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber, and I want to tell you today about my first experience of traveling since the start of the COVID epidemic. Yeah, I took a bit of a vacation uh, on the road, uh, more like in the air and on the road, uh, to florida it was an interesting experience from start to finish and i'll tell you all about it if you want to contact the show you can always send us an email at driving at gmail.com or here's the voicemail number 303-832-0217 i'm actually talking to you right now from my car because it is the best place i can find that actually has uh, quiet audio uh, or quiet space, so I can record good audio. Um, my little home studio setup—it's—it's—it's it's, it's okay for the occasional TV hit, um, but it's not great for a podcast. And I, I've tried a couple of times to get good sound in there, but with my kids running around, uh, you can hear through the floor and the ceiling because I was in the basement. Uh, sometimes the air conditioner kicks on, and then that makes a whole lot of noise. So. It's really not the most optimal place to do a show. So that's why I'm coming to you in my car. And I don't have Joseph or Nicole with me today. Nicole is off somewhere. Um, She was supposed to be off work today. And I I, I saw she was was on a Zoom meeting today running or something. So maybe I could have called her. I figured she was off doing something. Uh, Joseph, I'll try to hook up with him and see if I can get him on the show again next week. Maybe hook up via Zoom and uh, see if I can get him back on the show. All right, so here we go. Here's here's my experience of traveling during this COVID time. Uh, I, I would call it my spring trip. Originally, this was going to be a baton twirling trip to Enid, Oklahoma. And I am so glad we didn't end up in Enid, Oklahoma. It was the regional baton twirling, the Central Region Baton Twirling ch- uh, competition that was to be held there. Uh, And it was canceled, and I was going to be announcing during the competition as well. So not only was it um, a working trip for my girls, I was going to be doing announcing at the competition, a working trip for me, and so it really wasn't going to be all that fun. We were going to be in Enid, Oklahoma in June, and I can't see how that was going to be a really good time. So even though I was able to cancel... All the parts of that trip, like the car rental and the hotel and everything else was canceled. The one part I couldn't get my money back for was the flight. And I tried. I I called Southwest, even sent a letter. They said maybe if you send a letter, you can get your money refunded back to you. Well, I, I even did that. And no, they would not give us any money back. They would only give us money, credit money, for another flight at another time. So, since we already had the money credit there for Southwest, and I had my time off of work already scheduled, and I'm not going to give that up since that's a precious commodity. So we had to go somewhere. Now, my girls, my wife had always been talking about going to Orange Beach, uh, Alabama. And she's always heard good things about Orange Beach and Gulf Shores and that part of the Gulf. And I've been as close to that area as Pensacola and Destin, uh, and it's really nice i like it over there And we actually talked about maybe going to pensacola but we decided instead because my wife had found this pretty interesting resort and, and last year we stopped by clearwater florida for a day and we liked it we wanted to explore more of clearwater and that that area that part of uh florida right near tampa and saint pete so we, we found this this hotel and it, we booked it so we booked a room at the trade winds resort uh they had this water slide right there on the beach they all, all kinds of, well, at least they said all kinds of other activities um, that uh, were going to be great for the girls. And so, boom, we were sold. And that's all well and good. It's all fine and dandy. So, just let me tell you, the Tradewinds putt-putt uh, golf course was not that great. Uh, I can explain more of that later. Anyway, so we were driving out. My, my father-in-law said that he would drive us out to the airport and uh let us go and so we didn't have to drive and and do the whole shuttle thing so it was i'm telling you though it was one of the lightest drives i've ever had to the denver airport very light commute very few people out there drop off was super easy uh and just getting into the airport was really a weird feeling now this was a night flight we our, our flight was actually leaving at I think 5 30 i 15 or so so but but there were very few people maybe that's one of the reasons there were fewer people because it was after five o'clock for the flight but we arrived in the mid so we were there at about what 3 45 so a little more than an hour and a half uh ahead of the flight and there were so very few people at the check-in counter there was one gate person wiping down the kiosk so for southwest you have to go up to this kiosk uh, scan your boarding pass or put in your 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 ID, and it brings up your reservation. And then you check in there at the kiosk, and you can print boarding um, tickets if you want. And you can also print out the baggage uh, sticker, the, the ticket that goes on your bag. So we did that, and there was somebody, they had one of the gate people there, wiping down the machines after you were done with it. It didn't seem too unusual, and we had everybody had to wear masks because we were in the airport, and and that was fine. Um, and we walked right up. So it, usually there'd be a line of people slinking around uh, these little turnstiles, right? But we didn't have that. I just walked right up to the other person, the gate agent there, or the ticket uh, person, and uh, she just checked our ID and took our bags, and boom, we were gone. I mean it was it was super it was the fastest ever at a major big airport I've ever been to. It was it was super fast. Then we left, went down to security. Again, barely any line, walked right up to the TSA agent. We did not even have to wait in the line. Usually it's a 10 15. I've been in the line there for 40 minutes at one at one flight. Nothing like that. You just walk right up to the TSA agent and What was interesting, that they they wanted our IDs, but didn't want to see our boarding passes. So I could have, if I wanted to, pretended I was on a flight, walk right up to the TSA guy, and then get into the secured area without a boarding pass. Apparently... And I guess I wasn't too concerned about that because I don't think they're really thinking that terrorists are going to be trying to get through the security and uh, and, and during the whole COVID thing, maybe. But uh, I, thought, I saw that it was a little bit of a vulnerability. Um, anyway, the rest of the security went just like normal. There was no other issue. You'd take out the laptops and take out your food, take off your shoes, take off your belt, go through the naked scanner. Uh, so they can see everything, and then you collect your things, uh, and off you go. And, and that was it. It was just basically the same as it's ever been. No real difference in going through that part of the security. But they, except for the generally fewer people through the TSA area, the security area, and really j- through the entire airport. So we stopped. Uh, the, the Denver airport has three concourses, A, B, and C. And B is usually for the United flights. It's the longest, the largest concourse. And, and and it was pretty much empty. But the girls wanted to go get something to eat before because uh, before we get on the plane because they're not serving any food on the plane anymore. Uh, I'll get to that in just a little bit. So we wanted to have some kind of, I, I guess, early dinner uh, because the flight was three and a half hours. And we knew we were, I, I brought some snacks and and that was gonna tide them over for a little bit, but it was nothing like having a regular meal. So we found uh, the Chick-fil-A over on Concourse B, and and that was fine, but they've closed off all the seating areas. So you can't grab your food and then go to a table and sit. They just don't have that available. They had this, this counter where you could stand and you had just a little bit of a ledge where you could put your food, but up one level, they actually had some tables without chairs that you could stand at uh, and eat your food. So that's what we did. So we were standing at a table eating our Chick-fil-A. Again, fine. And it was was really not that big of a deal. It was was different. And right next to us where we were eating at that table is uh, the Elway's restaurant there at Denver International. And it was closed. All the major restaurants, all the sit down places, any of the places that you would go into and sit down and, and, and order from a, uh, anybody with a waitstaff and then um, and, and enjoy your meal, all of those places were, canc- were, were closed, all, all closed off. And it felt weird. It felt weird just to look into the restaurants and see it dark. And, and not like if it was just closed for the night. And they were waiting to open the next day. It was it was dark. They were all the seats were up on the chairs were up on the tables. Uh, there it was just it looked like there was no life in there at all, and they weren't even close to opening. And it just felt sad. It it just it was weird, and it just didn't feel right. So. It was just creepy, I guess. There were, there were a few stores open. The lone employee at the Toy Star up there, uh, there was a toy store up there on that upper level. And we were walking by when we were going down to the uh, escalators to escalator bring us down. And there was one employee up in that toy store. And she looked like she was begging, almost begging for us to come in there. And so she could have some interaction because she looked all kinds of bored and lonely. Um, which was also kind of sad because there's very few people that were united, still hasn't flown a lot of aircraft up to that point. And so it was still very sparsely populated in that concourse. So anyway, we go to Concourse C, the one Southwest has at, at the uh, at Denver International Airport, and we get to the gate. And Southwest says, you know, they, they usually do their lineup where they give you a boarding number, we were B10, I think. B10, 11, 12, 13. And they usually have you line up at those ports, at the that little stand, and then you go in on your at your number. Well, anyway, instead of having people line up over there, they were calling by your—they still had the—you still had to—I still had B10. But then they would group—call uh, by group. So they'd go A1 through 10, and then you go 11 through 20, and blah, blah. And so they go all the way through— Uh, And really do uh, groups of 10. And we were lucky when we got onto the plane to uh, find a row right next to the exit row, right there over the wings, where it was basically the whole row was empty. So my three girls sat together. I sat in the aisle. Somebody came down the way and then sat in the window next to me. And the the plane was actually surprisingly full. All the middle seats were empty. They said that was all for social distancing but look the person in the window seat that was next to me was not six feet away not even close i i could reach over and touch that person maybe two feet away not six nor was the person sitting directly in front of me or the person sitting directly behind me both of those people were close maybe two and a half feet away right Maybe even closer than that. So I was surrounded, even though they're giving you the the, the feel-good, we're going to keep all the middle seats open so we're not crammed in all together, which is great, which is fine. I don't know how they're going to keep making money like that, but that, that, that felt it was a good feel, but still it isn't keeping people six feet apart from each other. Not that that's the magic number, that the virus doesn't know how to go more than six feet. Obviously, it can travel farther than that. It's just that's the average when you're wearing the mask and it's about the, how, how, how you're, what your likelihood is of getting, uh, getting the virus from somebody if you're that close to somebody else. But if they're really talking about keeping people six feet away from each other, that was not happening on this flight. I don't think on any flight there was just there's just no way to do that. I don't think so. It was a normal pre-flight briefing. There weren't really any major changes except they did mention you're supposed to wear your mask during the flight. You can take it down if you're drinking something or eating something or you have some kind of a medical condition that you then let them know about that you uh, don't can't wear the mask for either long periods of time or at all or whatever. Um, and and so that's that was an interesting part of the safety demonstration, but the rest it was the fine uh, the, the same thing. Here's how you work your seatbelt and here's how you do the oxygen mask and, and here's how you use the your uh, your seat as a flotation device if they plunk it down in the ocean. So we back out from the gate and the pilot and I don't know if it was just this pilot or this flight or whatever, but once we got clear of the gate he was he was racing down the taxiway, racing like we're like I'm, we're going 40 50 miles an hour. On the I, we were going really fast we made he didn't slow down for any of the turns he said all right uh, flight attendants prepare for takeoff right and when he did that he wasn't slowing down he it, usually you come up as is your is there's a line of planes no line of planes we weren't waiting to take off it was we are up we're ready to go we're making this turn onto the runway at 50 miles an hour and then we're throwing on the afterburners and boom we're hitting the hitting the sky. It was off you go, baby. And that's exactly what happened. Hit the gas, zoom all off we go. Just like a normal flight, except it was just, it was the fastest out of the gate into the air of about any flight I've ever taken, especially at a big airport. Just, it was, it was really quite remarkable. So just about everybody else, everybody, uh, you know, my family, we all had our masks, and just about everybody had, had a mask on for the entire flight. But that was inside the airport and and on the plane. But there were some people in the airport that didn't have their masks on, and they were walking around, and, and maybe if they were keeping away from each other, they they would take their mask off. But I think there were a lot of people as well. Uh, maybe I would say twenty percent did not have a mask, didn't care about having a mask, didn't have want anything to do with having a mask. Well, the airlines are saying that they're requiring you to have a mask. And that you're supposed to have it on during your flight again, unless you're eating or drinking or you have some kind of a medical issue. Maybe these people had a medical issue, but I doubt there were twenty percent of the population have some kind of a medical issue that a lot that that, that would preclude them from having a mask. And look, I'm not I'm not some kind of a a mask zealot i'm not crazy mask guy where everybody has to wear a mask or i'm not going to come near you it, it i i it obviously there there's been controversy about the masks from the beginning where they the government said hey the mask might help and then the, and then the government was saying no the, the masks are not going to help you don't buy masks and now they're saying everybody needs to wear a mask if the mask didn't help you well, then why do the medical professionals wear masks that was my only question from the early, early, whole early part of this thing. Anyway, so just about everybody had a mask on, but several people took off their masks once they were seated and, and some would, you know, just take their mask off when they're eating or drinking, but there were quite a few who would take it off and just left it off, did not even care about putting it back on. I left mine on. My kids did, too, until my youngest decided it was a better idea to ditch the mask and breathe in and out of her blanket that she has with her, her little BB. And that was fine. She, it was, I didn't really care. Um, we, we did use, though, a ridiculous amount of sanitizer because we wiped down the tray table as well. And even though they, the airlines say that they are, they're fogging the plane and they're cleaning the plane, it is impossible to keep my kids from touching things. They were touching the handrails on the escalator. They were touching the buttons for uh for, for anything. They they were they were touching basically everything. Oh, they were they were grabbing the handbars on the concourse train, which had to be filthy because I didn't see anybody from the airport that was monitoring who was grabbing those things and then stopping and then wiping them down after every stop of the concourse. Maybe there was somebody at the end of the train ride going through and sanitizing the train. I didn't see that, but it didn't seem like it from when I got on the train and you look at the the handrails, it looked like you could still see fingerprints and hand marks from the previous people that were already there on the train after it had dropped them off. So keeping your kids from touching things is an impossibility. So hand sanitizer was was the rule there, and I'm not crazy hand sanitizer guy either, but I think it it, it probably helps, right? It's is the next best thing to washing your hands. And if you've listened to the show in the past, you know that I had a uh, an interview with with a guy from New York, this doctor from New York, who who they tested the water in the airplanes, right? And they say that is the dirtiest water that there is, and you don't want to even wash your hands. On the airplane in that water, it's better to use hand sanitizer. And I always bring those little hand, those wipes, uh, little Clorox wipes, because even before this whole COVID thing, I would wipe down the tray table and the seat area around me because you know how gross it was before all of this COVID stuff. And it was a disgusting mess. And yeah, and it's a little bit better, but it's still not great. Not at all. Not even, not so anyway. If you hear that uh, growling right now in my vault, the uh, generator just kicked on. Um, So that's what, because, you know, I'm recording this in my car. So if that's the sound you hear, that's the sound you hear. So the plane did seem, I would say clean, but uh, about the same clean, maybe a touch cleaner than before the enhanced cleaning procedures, uh, but basically the same. And I, you know, I know the, about the sanitizing and the fogging and, and all that stuff between the flights, but and and I did see uh, some leftover trash in the in that little netting, fr- right. That's right in front of you. Uh, that hole could hold a cell phone or a drink or whatever. Um, that's attached to the seat there in front of you. It, it's fine. So I I don't think they're going through each after each flight meticulously and making sure it's perfectly clean. So. We wiped it down a little bit and instead of the regular in-flight beverage and food service the flight attendant they would they would they passed out a can of water not a bottle of water a can of water like a soda can but of water and i think as i recall it was made by either 7up or pepsi from houston and i was surprised that it was cans and not bottles but Either way, it was. It, maybe it's just the planes are designed to hold cans more than bottles, because the, all the uh, the trays that are in the galley area of the airplane that they are designed size wise to hold those twelve ounce cans, and so maybe it's easier for them just to hold the cans instead of a a bottle. So, and they would also give you a snack, one of these little snack packs with little pretzels and um, chex mix or whatever that was in there. I never get that. It's not my deal. But that was it. See you later. No beer or wine, no cocktails, nothing like that. And you know what? That must be a killer for the airlines, just killing them. They make a lot of money selling liquor on airplanes, beer, wine, all of that. There are a lot of people that fly for business. They have expense accounts, and they can write that off so it's easy for them to spend 20 bucks on beer wine or, or liquor on the airplane because it really doesn't cost them anything it costs their business something so it's no no big whoop for them but the airlines are missing out on all of that money and that's got to be a killer more than just the middle of missing out on the middle seat and having all those middle seats that are open um and you really i didn't see the flight attendants too much you, there, there was one uh in the front who would wipe down the restroom. They, they did request that if there was somebody in the restroom that you don't go up there and wait. There is a light that uh, would go off if somebody comes out of the restroom or if it's occupied, the light's on. And then they would come and do a little quick wipe down, and then the next person could go in. And I'm sure they were doing that for the back, but I didn't really go back there to see if they were doing that. Um, I can't imagine that's really an enjoyable part of their job. Uh, An added responsibility, obviously, that they never really signed up for, nor would probably want to ever sign up for again. But when they did walk by, the one thing that I did notice is they kept hitting my arm in the aisle because I was sitting there in the aisle. And every time they walked by, boom, right there in the shoulder or my elbow or whatever, I kept getting bumped. It's so much for uh, social distancing and no contact, right? Okay, so we land. And then at the uh, gate, ding, everybody jumps up and grabs their overhead bags, jumps up out of their seat. You could hear the clicks of the seatbelts coming off before we even got to the gate. And then as soon as that ding hits, everybody's up like it is regular pre-COVID flights. Get up, get out, and we want out of this airplane. But when people are doing that, they're standing right next to each other you know how close people stand in the aisles when when they're all ready to get out that's that, that's what was happening everybody was wanting to get out now the one the difference is that the the plane did empty fairly quickly because there were fewer people on the airplane and so that helped out a little bit but for the most part it was the exact same procedure as you've as you've ever had getting off the airplane but it did empty out faster, I think, since there were fewer people on the flight. And the, air, and the airport there in Tampa, when we landed, was pretty – it was late. It was, what, 10.30 uh, at night, so it was pretty empty. Um, and so that wasn't that big of a deal. And then we – oh, then the fiasco with the rental car. So you have to take this train over to – once you get your bags, you take this uh, escalator, this super long escalator up like three levels, uh, to this train that takes you over to their rental car area, which is this – tiered i think it's a four-story five-story parking garage basically where all the rental car agencies are right there and so we rented from sixth um sixt rental car we've rented from them in the past and usually they have pretty good rates and they have pretty nice cars um but we so we get there and i check in and that's fine and then we have to walk over to the car they say you sign us a car give us a car as soon as i open up the car the trunk to put the uh luggage in there man the smell of smoke coming out of that car hits you like a punch in the chin, about knocks you down. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a smoker. I, I, don't, I don't hate people who are smokers. It's fine if you want to do that. Not that big of a deal. I just don't like the smell of it all the time in my rental car. And I don't think that's too much to ask, to have a clean-smelling rental car, especially when I'm traveling with two children. Two young children who really don't like if, 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 the smell of smoke. I mean, I, I can tolerate it for a short period of time. But my kids, there's no way they'd be able to tolerate any of that. So I, I was lucky enough to see one of the, the employees there and said, hey, look, the, the, this this car really smells like smoke. Could, can you put this up into something else? So then he, uh, he all right, so he, he gives us the keys to the car that was next to us. And that was, I think, even worse than the first one then i said all right this is not good and then he gives us a key to another one that one as we open the door smelled like um reefer madness yeah it smelled like cheech and chong had just gotten out of the car and it was really heavy-duty pot smoke now i i'm i'm i'm, call, I'm, I'm doing the show from a state that has that's one of what was the one of the first ones to actually have legal marijuana Where you can go and so that's fine people can do that that's okay i don't i don't mind however i don't like it again in my car and we're in florida where it's not supposed to be legal i think they have medical but they don't have recreational pot and so obviously somebody was smoking up a lot in this previous rental car and that just about knocked me out too. Then the guy he he smelled it and he goes, Yeah, you can't go in this one. And then he grabbed the keys for another car. So this was car number four. He opens up the door. He didn't even give me the key, just he just opened the he goes, no, nope, we don't want to do this one. And then finally, the fifth car that he tried, it was fine. It smelled a little bit not like smoke, but it just had some other weird smell. But and that was fine. We'll say, look, it's about midnight. We're, we we want to get to our hotel. And just, we'll take it. This is great. No problem. So perfect. Off we go off to the resort. Now the hotel, when we got there, the trade winds, they were social distancing the best they could. They had some of the plexiglass that was up at the front counter. That's fine. The, The employee we talked to, the real nice, uh, lady that checked us in, she was wearing a mask. That's fine. Um, they had signs on the floor that was trying to do the whole six-foot deal. But that was about it. And we checked in. We got our room definitely not cleaner than before COVID. That is for sure. I can tell you that for 100% guarantee. They, th- and they didn't provide any extra maid service. So if you wanted maid service and you were there longer than f- four nights, they would provide it for you once during your stay. But if you wanted any other thing, like new towels or something else, you would have to call the uh, housekeeping department, so they could send that stuff up to you, and then take your old towels away, and then they'd give you new towels or or whatever the or whatever you need there in your hotel room, and that's fine. Actually, it it, it works out fine for me. I'm not much of a guy who likes the maid service anyway, and so it w- that was just fine. But I'm telling you, the room was not any. More disinfected or clean than it would otherwise have been pre-COVID. There is no way. I, I'll show you the the dirty floor that uh, that I had to wipe down a little bit to uh, so I didn't wasn't sticky on the floor. Definitely not a not any cleaner. The pool. Oh my goodness, it was a fiesta of people in the water, party time and there were people everywhere in the water, on the pool deck, no social distancing. It was, if, if, if there was coronavirus there, it was a corona swamp. It was everywhere, people were everywhere. The kids were running all over the place, jumping in, jumping out, jumping around people. people. It's just like any other natural pool environment at a resort you would imagine. That, that's the way it was at the pool. Now on the beach, they had these wooden beach chairs. and they have these uh, these beach chairs and they they're wooden and they, they would bring out every morning these uh, covers, these pads there's no way they were sanitizing these pads and then there was this little cover that would go over there to give you some shade right and they were about six feet apart from the next group and so that that's fine I don't know if that was on purpose or if it was just always like that but I'm telling you they were not sanitizing any part of those uh, or the hammocks They're hammocks so they have hammocks I don't know they had about half a dozen different hammocks hanging up around between the pool and the beach and people were just going on and off the hammocks, different people, random people, eh, there's no cleaning of that. Uh, it's just whatever. I guess it's just the salt water is going to take care of it for you. And we spent a lot of our time in the ocean anyway. So it was easy to stay away from people. Again, I'm not crazy trying to stay away from people, but I'm also not trying to hang out with people at the same time, if that makes sense. So we were in the ocean. All was great. All was fine. That, that, that was not one problem. But I'm telling you, I didn't see anybody. Even you know what's funny? So they have this they had this three-story water slide. You have to hike up these stairs on this big inflatable water slide and then you go down, right? And it's just people are going up and down the slide, so I guess they don't have to worry about the virus. However, they had some an employee that was down to the bottom of the slide making sure First, that had a hose, a sprayer, and would spray your feet down to get some of the sand off your feet before you went up the slide and started your, your hike up the mountain there. He was wearing a mask. And then when you get to the top, there was also another employee there that was letting you know, all right, it's clear you can go, it's clear you can go. Also wearing a mask, but as far as touching things, oh, you could. everybody's just going right after another, just touching whatever they want. Um, again, I guess the virus doesn't live outside on things, according to the resort, whatever. Um, you know, it's, and I never saw any of the employees really wiping things down or clean. The elevator was, had to be one of the most risky propositions out of any at the resort. So everybody's touching the same buttons. Getting in the elevator, it's small, it's cramped. And there would be people, so there, it, it was maybe big enough to hold maybe six people. So the four of us were in, and then two people would cram in, and everybody's all together. Again, I'm, I'm not look, I'm not going crazy about the whole social distancing thing. It would be nice. However, I wasn't a zealot about it. So, and I guess nobody else was either. Because there was just not anybody worrying about uh, living life under the COVID. It was life pre-COVID. Everybody was doing whatever they want, however they want, whenever they want. Touching everything, breathing everything, no masks anywhere. It was it, nobody, nobody, except for the, some of the employees from the, from the resort were wearing the masks. But none of the guests, as far as I could see. Nobody wiping down doors, common areas, elevator buttons. They, they really, there would be no way for the staff to keep up. Just because there are so many people there and the and the resort was only at a half capacity so i can't imagine what it would have been like having a hundred percent or anything more than what the 50 percent was there were a lot of people there already at 50 percent. i could not imagine how crowded that place could have been uh with with more people it really was it, it you know and it's fine it was it was okay i you know we tried to stay away from people but I I just didn't want to take unnecessary risks, but but I wasn't just gonna you know spray people with a with my uh, can of Lysol if they started to get too close to me. The restaurants were also fairly interesting. Um, most of the restaurants had had the they were either half capacity. One restaurant we went to it was full on. All the seats were taken. All the um, all the chairs were taken. All the, uh, the tables were full. Um, it, was, it was pretty full in there. They had the table spaced out a little bit, but for the most part, it was just like a regular restaurant. And the employees had no masks and didn't really even care about wearing them. And, and then there was another restaurant we went to, this breakfast place, that only would seat you every other table all the employees had masks. They were always sanitizing. They even didn't bring, they didn't have any of the uh, creamers or sweeteners or this was a breakfast place. Any of that stuff on the table, you would have to ask the waiter to bring you a creamers or bring you a a sweetener for your coffee. uh, And they they wouldn't give any of that stuff on the table, I guess, to keep it cleaner. Um, so there, there was extremes on both sides of the whole restaurant scene, and we went to the grocery store once to go get some things. <laughs> I, I, we always have to go get whenever we go to Florida. We have to go to Publix and and get their uh, crab, their seafood dip, because it is so delicious, and they don't sell it anywhere but the Publix. I can't get it out here. Um, I've tried. They won't do it, I, and it's not worth shipping it out here. But anyway, uh, there was. <laughs> But every restaurant was just a little bit different on how they handled everything. And, and um, I guess that was their own prerogative. I don't think they had anybody just watching and checking to see what what they were doing. But, again, thinking about that resort, I, I don't think there's any way for them really to control a virus outbreak if there was one there. None. It, it was really just, a, I think, a feel-good show of doing something when the employees were wearing masks or they were wearing gloves. And, you know, the whole glove thing... When you're wearing them over and over for every transaction, it's just as bad as just not having gloves. It's actually, you think, worse because you're not sanitizing your gloves. You think that you're protected wearing the gloves, but your gloves could be contaminated, and they're contaminating everything that you keep touching. If you really wanted it to be not contaminating things, you would change your gloves after every single transaction or every single touch of something, and then throw them away and wear new gloves. It would be better just not to wear gloves and just use the hand sanitizer. That would be way cleaner. But people think, oh, I'm wearing the gloves. I'm safe. No, you're really you're really not. So back at the Tampa airport when we were all done, we took the car back to the rental thing. That was just like any other, no big thing. Um, no masks uh, were worn until I was back in the airport. Check-in was a little bit more crowded, uh, but it was still better than normal. The flight was at 630. So I was still surprised how busy it was for how late it was there in Tampa. Security was also a bit more crowded, but way better than normal. And they asked for for mine and my wife's IDs, but they did ask for the kids' boarding passes. Not their IDs, just their boarding passes. They did not ask for my boarding pass or my wife's boarding pass. Our IDs, the kids' boarding passes. And I don't know if that's a, a factor of child, uh, abductions or child trafficking or something like that. I know they've had that problem in Atlanta, but I didn't think they were having that problem in, uh, Tampa, but maybe that, that, that was my only thought of why the TSA would do that. Now going through the security screening, that was normal. Concourse was a bit more busy. Our flight was, was basically full minus obviously the middle seats for every row and note, you know, I was thinking about this about the temperature track check. I've heard that some airlines, I think Frontier was supposed to be one of them, they were going to check your forehead temperature to see if you had a fever before letting you get on the airplane. There was none of that. It was just check your uh, check your check in. Bing, uh, here's your here's your uh, boarding pass, and off you go down the jetway just like normal. No, you know, there's there's a line of people getting in onto the plane just like normal. Um, But this flight, the crew, I think, was more strict with the whole mask-wearing thing. They said at the beginning of the flight that masks were necessary and required for the entirety of the flight. And this flight, I think most people kept them on, more so than on the flight down there to Florida. And one thing I think was interesting is on the way to Florida, the flight crew, they like I talked about, they didn't seem too concerned with people keeping their masks on. And maybe I think it was a function of the crew being based in Florida. Because that plane started off in Orlando, went to Columbus, Ohio, then it went to Denver, and then it went down to Tampa. And I think that flew was based in Florida. And used the Florida sense of uh, of COVID, where... They they don't really wear masks as often and it's more relaxed and I think more places are open and it's uh, easier going down there in Florida with the whole mask wearing deal. But on the way back to Denver from Tampa, the flight crew made two announcements during the flight asking people to keep their masks on and that it was a requirement and that it is safety for everybody on board, including them and including you. And And they were just more strict about the whole mask wearing thing. And I think cuz that flight crew was, they said they were based in Denver where the state of Colorado has been more strict and still has been, I think, more closed off than Florida or other places. So I think that's why they were probably more strict about making your, uh, making the mask wearing more prominent and making sure everybody was wearing their masks. And it's, it's really, they, they still hammer it all the time here in Colorado where, supposed to wear your mask all the time when you're going out so that was pretty much the trip um i did have to send an email to my hr manager uh telling her that i was out of the state and that i had returned and what were the procedures and she um just asked me a few questions and i am still working at home anyway so i'm basically quarantined in my house but she said i was cleared to come back to work just i'm working from home and if I, if I develop any symptoms that I'm supposed to immediately alert them with the fever or the cough or the whole, whatever, can't smell, can't taste any of that stuff that I'm supposed to immediately alert them. And I said, that's fine. So, but I you know, I've been home for the last three months and I, I could be home for the next three months. Um, I don't know. So I guess in way, in, in a way I'm, I'm on a, a work quarantine anyway. So that, you know, that's that. And I thought this was interesting because we were talking about United Airlines. And they have just sent out this news release about strengthening their mandatory mask policies. That any passenger that doesn't comply when they are on the plane, on a United flight, that they will be placed on an inter uh, internal travel restriction list. And that the customers who are on this list will lose their travel privileges on United for a, what they say is a duration of time. They didn't say how long, a week, two weeks, ten months, whatever. But a duration of time to be determined but depending a comprehensive incident review. That's the strictest, so far, mask-wearing edict I have seen from any of the airlines. And maybe they've had problems on United or maybe the United lawyers are saying, look, if you don't do this and somebody gets it on your airplane and they trace it back to you not doing something right, you, you're, you could lose a whole lot of money. And it seems like most lawyers are into this kind of wording. So that would be my best guess of guess of why United had come out with this policy. Because right now, they, they ask people to wear a mask on United on any of its flights. And they think that this enhanced mask-wearing policy will be there for at least two months, maybe longer. And they, they have the same exceptions to the policy with the medical conditions of somebody. Or they have a disability of wearing the face mask. Or or if you're going to be eating or drinking, whatever. Small kids, I think, are exempt from the whole thing. But for the most part, this is one of the most stringent face mask wearing edicts that I've seen so far. And I wouldn't be surprised if the other big ones, American and Delta, come out with a similar similar policy. Now for me, wearing the mask, it was inconvenient. It wasn't horrible. It really wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be before my flight. So it's doable. And my, my flight was three and a half hours. And then you're in the uh, airport as well. And I was able to take it off occasionally to to get a sip of water and, uh, you know, eat a snack or whatever. So you do get a breaks occasionally, but like anything, you just get used to it. It it just becomes a part of what you're doing. Um, so I, it's, I, would I want to fly to Hawaii with one of those things on, or maybe Europe? I don't think so, but, um, I, I do think it's doable for these shorter flights and uh, under United's new policy, which I thought was interesting. If a flight attendant notices or in or or sees a customer who has not put their mask on or won't keep their mask on, they'll go to that person and make sure that there's no exception there. And if there's not, then then they'll say, "All right, please put your mask on." And, and if the customer doesn't do that, they'll they'll say they'll do it one more time. They actually do it 3 times to say you have to put your mask on, and at that third time, that's where boom, you're going to get a incident report which will initiate the review process and maybe kick you off of United Airlines for an undetermined amount of time. I guess it's the new drunk-on-board policy, right? You get drunk on board, you get kicked off the airplane. You don't wear your mask on the plane, boom, you're off, get out. Find some other airline to, to fly with. Can't fly with us anymore. I guess that's going to be the new, the new thing. Well, oh yeah, one last thing before all of this we actually looked at booking an rv but i'm telling you they are all booked up it's actually it was it was stunning to see how many were booked up from not not only uh, private people but also the companies they they're, they're all maybe that's the way people want to go is on an R, in, a, in an rv because they are basically quarantined they're taking their house with them so they don't have to worry about uh, being in a crowd with other people or being in resorts and, and, uh, having to do the same, uh, have the same concerns that we had at the resort of touching everything and, um, sharing everything and, and having it dirty, especially for people who might have some kind of compromised immune system or, or is really more concerned about, uh, being clean and, and not being around people. And because they may, maybe they're more at risk. I don't know. Um, And not that I'm taking this whole thing lightly, but I just think the the likelihood of me getting the flu when the flu was around before all of this was low. And I think the the likelihood of me getting the COVID is also low, and I just try to keep it as low as possible. So I do wear the mask, and I, I sanitize a lot and that sort of thing. So anyway, that was the whole experience. That was the experience of traveling. I just thought you'd like to hear uh, how it was for me. And if you had a similar experience or different experience or, or something you wanted to add or, or some takeaway from this whole story, then 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 drop me a line either at uh, drivingyoucrazypodcast at gmail.com or call the voicemail, and I'll put you on the show, 303-832-0217. So that's it. I'll see if I can get maybe Joseph uh, back on the show next week, or Nicole, or whatever. Maybe I'll be solo again, but I, I like having one of them with me uh, to banter around other uh, traffic-related issues. I'll find some other traffic-related issues that I have a couple notes that of uh, some stories I wanted to get to. Um during this whole thing but it's just it's just been a weird whole you know time anyway thanks again for listening thanks for being here and until next time i'm jason luber the traffic guy be safe and as always happy motoring